you're listening to Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Glad to be with you again. Glad you're with us again. And uh, as you've been here before know, we uh, tend to focus on some small elements of jazz recorded history, some individual talent or recording sessions or albums or what have you. And today we're going to be listening to the music of a great guitar player who uh, never really had an association with a well-known band, uh, but who was recorded pretty prolifically through the 1920s, late 1920s and the 30s and into the 40s, and then periodically... uh, reappeared uh, on the jazz horizon up until the 1970s. And the person I'm talking about is a fellow named Teddy Bunn. Teddy Bunn was born in New York in 1909, and his family was musical. His father was an organist, um, and he learned to play different instruments growing up, but he never learned to read music, or not very proficiently at any rate. He was largely self-taught. He uh, gravitated toward the acoustic guitar, and uh, by the late 1920s, he had... uh, uh, become proficient enough on the guitar to be playing with some fairly well-known groups. He uh, was with uh, um, the Spirits of Rhythm, which was kind of a, I guess you'd have to call it a skiffle group in a way, uh, from the early 1930s, pretty much through the decade. That was a group that featured uh, people like Leo Watson, who was known as a scat singer, but who also played a tipple, which was a small kind of a soprano ukulele type of guitar. And uh, the band included two or three tipples, along with uh, Teddy Bunn's guitar and a bass player and sometimes uh, another player or two. They made some films. They made about a dozen recordings over the years as well. Uh, Teddy Bunn was also associated with the Washboard Rhythm Kings. We've done a podcast on them, although uh, at the, t- the recordings that we listened to did not feature Teddy Bunn, but he was uh, uh, part of that group, which was uh, in operation out of Philadelphia uh, from about 1929 to 1933 or so. And uh, during that time, he actually made a recording with Jelly Roll Morton and uh, the novelty uh, freak clarinet player uh, Wilton Crawley, and you can listen to those. I think I actually put a couple of those on a podcast for hot clarinets as well. We're going to be focusing in on a relatively short period of Teddy Bunn's career. This is in the late 30s, 1938, 39, 40, and he was recording quite prolifically with um, a lot of jazz stars. He was recording for the very uh, young Blue Note label and also for some larger labels like RCA Victor. Uh, In the late 20s and 30s, he was a session man. Even though he didn't read, he was hired to come in and play with groups like Duke Ellington's band, played a couple of sessions with them, um, and uh, made... uh, Quite a few uh, one-off jazz sessions over the 1930s, and we're going to hear a little bit of a couple of those. We're actually going to start with a uh, session that uh, was known as part of the Panazier Sessions. Hugh Panazier was a French jazz critic who came over to the United States in 1938, and he... kind of a, a conservative jazz critic, I guess we'd have to say. He thought the world of the New Orleans players and some of the early blues players, and he didn't believe that swing was jazz or swing musicians were were, were in any way capable of standing up to play with the New Orleans jazz musicians. Anyway, of course, his uh, opinions sort of did not uh, hold true for most people, thank goodness, but uh, he did come over and put together several recording sessions that were quite interesting. We heard... Um, 
the fruits of one of the sessions uh, on a uh, Pete Brown and Frankie Newton show. Uh, they are, of course, swing musicians, uh, and Panazier had bowed to commercial pressure to put a swing date together, and uh, they uh, were featured on that along with James P. Johnson. He also did a date with Sidney Bechet and uh, Tommy Ladnier, the trumpet player, and Mez Mesro, and uh, our, our, our subject today, Teddy Bunn, doing a sort of a traditional New Orleans-style ensemble, and we heard uh, the fruits of that recording session on a uh, Sidney Bechet the Sideman podcast. He also put together a kind of a casual date that featured uh, some of the musicians from the Bechet date uh, without Bechet. This is called the Mesro Ladnier Quintet, and it featured, of course, Mez Mesro on clarinet, a uh, very questionable taste of clarinet players, but he does get some good solos in here. Tommy Ladnier, the great New Orleans trumpet player who was in his last days at this point. Teddy Bunn on uh, guitar, and uh, Manzi Johnson was on guitar. Uh, Manzi Johnson was on drums on this one, I should say, and Pops Foster from New Orleans on bass. And these recordings, we're going to hear two of them today. They were done on December 19th of 1938. And uh, the tunes that we're going to be hearing are uh, Getting Together and If You See Me Coming. And uh, those two tunes will feature some fine guitar playing by Teddy Bunn. After that, we're going to hear the same group uh, playing backup to the blues singer Rosetta Crawford, and uh, she will be singing a tune, I believe she wrote, called I'm Tired of Fattening Frogs for Snakes, right out of the Southern Tent Show tradition there, but we'll hear some fine guitar on that as well. Then we're going to go to a session that uh, was kind of a rarity in uh, the 1930s, a solo guitar session, of course, Teddy Bunn, and this was done as part of the Port of Harlem Jazz uh, Band series. This was the some of the first uh, recordings for the Blue Note label. In fact, I think they were the first recordings for Blue Note, when Alfred Lyon and... Um, and Francis Wolfe and their partner, uh, whose name was uh, Max Margulis, uh, came together to establish Blue Note Records. They were initially thinking of it as kind of a blues and traditional jazz. That term wasn't in, in vogue at the time, but uh, a label that would feature improvisatory music as opposed to the, the swing and big band music that was most popular at the time. And we're going to hear this, I guess it would have to be called a, an experimental session. They didn't do it again, so the experiment must not have paid off too well. But it's a solo uh, guitar session with Teddy Bunn done on March 28th of 1940. And we're going to hear all four tunes. Uh, rounding out this first set, we're going to hear two of them. We're going to hear Guitar in High and Blues Without Words, which will also feature a vocal by Teddy Buckner. And uh, uh, Teddy Buckner also sings, I forgot to mention, on If You See Me Coming on the earlier tune. So we're going to listen to those five tunes for our first set. Uh, getting Together, If You See Me Coming, I'm Tired of Fattening Frogs for Snakes, Guitar in high and blues without words.
fattening frogs for
sweet performance of that tune called uh, The Blues Without Words, uh, featuring a wordless vocal by Teddy Bunn on guitar as well. So those two tunes, uh, Guitar in High and Blues Without Words, uh, as I said, were recorded for Blue Note, March 28, 1940, and uh, really kind of anomalous in, in the jazz discography. There weren't too many jazz uh, solo jazz uh, guitar recordings. A few by Eddie Lang and Dick McDonough. I think Carl Kress may have, may have made one, but um, not the rule, certainly. And Teddy Bunn was one of the few African-American guitar players to be featured like that. Lonnie Johnson may have had some, but his were more blues-based. So, interesting experiment, and a pity it didn't continue. And we're going to hear the other two sides in just a minute. So before that, we'll go backwards today, we heard Rosetta Crawford, the blues singer, singing I'm Tired of Fattening Frogs for Snakes, and that was done on February 1st of 1939 for DECA. Uh, the Panazier sessions were all done for Victor. This was by a related group, actually from one of the earlier groups, the Bechet uh, group, although without Bechet. So we had Tommy Ladner on trumpet, Ms. Mesmer on clarinet, James P. Johnson on piano, with Teddy Bunn on guitar, Elmer James on bass, and Zudi Singleton on drums. And that was a nice performance featuring actually quite 
quite a nice mezmezro clarinet solo, as well as a fine guitar solo by Teddy Bunn. And we started out with two sides by the Mesro Ladnier Quintet. And uh, these were both uh, done, as I said, in 1938 as part of those Panazier sessions. We heard Getting Together and uh, If You See Me Coming. And If You See Me Coming featured a Teddy uh, Bunn vocal as well. Uh, Tommy Ladnier and Mez Mesro, along with... Um, uh, Teddy Bunn, Pops Foster on bass, and Manzi Johnson on drums. Some very kind of elemental playing, I guess you'd have to say, but that's what uh, Hugh Panazier wanted, and quite frankly, that's where um, Mez Mesro excelled. Both of those were just plain old blues. In fact, all the tunes in that set were blues. So those were from December of 1938. So, as you know, Panazier was around for several months, I think from November of 38 up through the early months of 1939. So we're going to start out the next set with the other two guitar solo tunes. We're going to hear King Porter Stomp and uh, the Bachelor Blues, which will likewise feature a Teddy Bunn vocal. So following that, we're going to go to uh, kind of an unusual session. These were uh, This was part of a very long series that was recorded by the pianist and singer Bob Howard. Bob Howard was a stride pianist and an entertainer in the Fats Waller vein, and these were recordings that were kind of uh, meant to, to mine the audience that had uh, been attracted to Fats Waller and his rhythm and the great recordings recordings that they did throughout the 1930s. Howard's real name was Howard Joyner, and uh, he was uh, employed by several New York supper clubs and so forth, uh, playing jazz and entertaining in the style of Fats Waller. He was a pretty good pianist, uh, and uh, he knew how to put bands together at any rate, too. He did some early recordings for Columbia, but he started uh, a series of small group jazz uh, recordings in 1935, right at the beginning of the year. And these were done primarily for DECA um, and featured people like Benny Carter, Buster Bailey, uh, the, the um, uh, members of the John Kirby Sextet, the Riley Farley Group, uh, quite a few other players as well, both white and black. And the sessions that we're uh, interested in, the ones that featured Teddy Bunn, came towards the end of this series in uh, June and uh, July of 19, uh, 1938. We're actually going to hear the last two tunes recorded as part of the series from July 26th of 1938. Any Rags and On Revival Day. And these were recorded for DECA with a personnel including uh, Teddy Bunn on guitar, Haig Stevens on bass, and O'Neill Spencer on drums. Bob Howard sings. He does not actually play piano on uh, these sides. He uh, kind of gave up playing piano on, on his own recordings and restricted himself to singing, and he always had good piano players in there. And in this case, he has Billy Kyle, who was uh, holding forth along with O'Neill Spencer in the John Kirby Sextet. Of course, later on, he went with the Louis Armstrong All-Stars, very effective piano player. And we're going to hear some good piano work as well as fine guitar solos. So that's Any Rags and On Revival Day. Then we're going to finish up with a tune I'll tell you more about after we get to that point called The Lonesome Blues, which had been recorded by Louis Armstrong in the 1920s featuring Johnny Dodds and this was uh, another somewhat early 1940 uh, Blue Note record featuring Sidney Bechet. I'll tell you about that when we get there. So our tunes coming up. King Porter Stomp, The Bachelor Blues, Any Rags, On Revival Day, and The Lonesome Blues.
Ever hear the story of the ragged jagged jack? Here he comes down the street with his pack on his back. He comes in the morning and he comes at night and he gobbles up everything inside. He wakes up the neighborhood for miles around. He's a regular alarm clock, always wound. He gets beneath your window when you try to get to sleep and he yells in a voice so loud and deep. Anyway, I'll be over there, lady, right. Any bones, any bottles today There's a big black rag picker coming this way Any rags Any rags Any rags, any bones, any bottles today It's the same old story in the same old way Any rags 
be there, right? Oh, Only rags, any bones, any bottles today. There's a big black rag picker coming this way. Any rags, lady, just a minute, right? Only rags, any bones, any bottles today. It's the same old story in the same old way. Hear them sisters groaning, and hear them brothers moaning, repenting and atoning on revival day. They're talking to the spirits, just like they see and hear it. They're sinful and they fear it on revival day. When that congregation starts to sing, oh, nothing in this world don't mean a thing. Glory, glory, hallelujah, makes you feel so peculiar. The devil cannot rule you on revival day.
So that was Sidney Bechet and uh, his group, his Blue Note Quartet, as it was called. Those were some of his first uh, recordings under his own name for Blue Note. He had recorded with the Port of Harlem Jazzmen. We'll talk a little bit more about those in a few minutes. But that featured uh, Bechet on clarinet on the Lonesome Blues, Teddy Bunn on guitar, Pops Foster on bass, and Sidney Catlett, Big Sid Catlett on drums from March 20th of 1944, Blue Note, a nice impassioned blues performance and a salute to Johnny Dodds as well. So before that, uh, we uh, heard those two tunes by um, Bob Howard and his orchestra. Calling it an orchestra is a little bit grand, I suppose, since it was only a quartet, or a quintet, really. But uh, some very uh, fun sides there. He always uh, had some good musicians and, and, you know, had some good feelings on his recordings, as did Fats Waller. We heard Any Rags, which is short for Any Rags, Any Bones, Any Bottles Today, which was a common uh, saying in African-American culture around the turn of the century. Um, we can hear some New Orleans bands using tunes uh, with lyrics like that. And then On Revival Day, those were from July 26th of 1938. Uh, some very fast tempos there with Billy Kyle showing off his technique on piano, but matched note for note by Teddy Bunn on guitar. And as I said, we also heard O'Neill Spencer on drums and Haig Stevens on bass, with Bob Howard taking those good-natured vocals. And then we started out with those two sides, two um, uh, guitar solo sides, the uh, second two of the four that were recorded in 1940 for Blue Note by Teddy Bunn. We heard the King Porter Stomp and the Bachelor Blues, also featuring a vocal by Teddy Bunn. Some very good playing there. Not quite as blues-based in that set as we were in the first one. Uh, this next set will make up for that, though. We are definitely getting into uh, down-and-dirty blues territory here. I've been mentioning the Port of Harlem 7. Uh, that was a sort of a pseudonym for uh, a series of musicians and several recording dates that were put together in 1939 and into 1940 a little bit, too, for um, the Blue Note record label debut. And... Uh, the musicians involved in here uh, were Frankie Newton on trumpet, J.C. Higginbottom on trombone, Albert Ammons or Mead Lex Lewis on piano, the two great boogie-woogie pianists, and they uh, had a series of boogie-woogie recordings on Blue Note at the same time. Uh, Francis Wolfe and um, Albert, uh, or Alfred Lyon were both boogie-woogie fans as well. And, of course, Teddy Bunn on guitar, uh, Johnny Williams on bass, and Sid Catlett on drums. And these were done in the spring of 19. 39, and for one session, they added Sidney Boucher on clarinet and soprano saxophone as well. So we're going to hear three tunes from uh, the output of these groups. We're going to hear the Daybreak Blues, After Hours, and Rockin' the Blues. Daybreak Blues was released under uh, Frankie Newton's name, the Frankie Newton Quintet, which featured that group with Albert Ammons on piano. No trombone on that one. That was from April 7th of 1939. After Hour, actually, actually After Hour Blues is the official title. That was also the Frankie Newton Quintet from the second set, second session, June 8th of 1939, this time with Mead Lex Lewis on piano instead of Albert Ammons. Then we're going to finish up with Rockin' the Blues, which was by the Port of Harlem Jasmine proper, I guess, with Albert Ammons also J.C. Higginbottom on trombone. That was from the April date in 1939. So all of those are going to feature, all three of them, I should say, are going to feature fine guitar solos by Teddy Bunn. The Daybreak Blues, After Hour Blues, and Rockin' the Blues. <laughs> ¶¶ 
have some great blues recordings from the late 1930s featuring Teddy Bunn on guitar. We had the Frankie Newton Quintet doing the Daybreak Blues and After Hour Blues, almost like a continuation of the same performance. Different piano players, that was it. Uh, but some great trumpet by um, the very underrated Frankie Newton. Phenomenal swing player, had an excellent band in the 30s. He played with numerous other groups and uh, was active right up until the early 50s, I believe. Uh, and then we finished up with Rockin' the Blues, the Port of Harlem jazz, men that also, jazz band, which also featured J.C. Higginbottom on trombone. Higginbottom was uh, uh, a very fiery, uh, on top of the beat trombone player back when he played with the Louis Russell Band in the late 1920s and with the Louis Armstrong Band and the Mills Blue Rhythm Group, also Fletcher Henderson's band in the 1930s. By about 1940, he was starting to show some effects of alcoholism and, and, and so forth. He was playing with uh, Red Allen's band for a while and uh, did some fine recordings with them. And then he sort of uh, disintegrated a little bit as the 40s and 50s rolled on. Occasionally, he'd come back in the recording studio and make some fine sides, but um, the glory years were just about over at this point. This was sort of the last hurrah of his best playing, I would have to say, and we heard that on Rockin' the Blues. Rockin' the Blues also featured a piano solo by Albert Ammons, the great boogie-woogie player, who was really a good deal more than just a boogie-woogie player, but that's what his fame rested on. And then, of course, Teddy Bunn. So Teddy Bunn continued through uh, the 1940s and 50s and into the 60s, playing rhythm and blues gigs, playing some jazz gigs, doing an occasional recording session, and he had uh, actually been contracted to join the Louis Jordan band, Louis Jordan and the uh, Timpani Five. Of course, that was a uh, started out in the swing era. Uh, Louis Jordan was playing alto sax for Chick Webb and left to start a smaller band that became the, the sort of the father of rhythm and blues and, and early rock and roll music. And he was still drawing very big crowds in the 1960s, and Teddy Bunn was supposed to go with him and had a stroke, unfortunately, and um, was largely invalided for the last 10 years of his life or so. He died in 1978, so very unfortunate end. But he did do quite a few great recordings, as I said, from about 1929 up through uh, the 1940s, and uh, he even switched over to electric guitar on some of his recordings, some with... Uh, um, uh, Hotlips Page, I know, had some uh, excellent electric guitar solos, but we featured him primarily from 1938, 9, and 40. So, hope you enjoyed this program. My name is John Clark. You've been listening to The Jazz Focus, and uh, as we always say, if you'd like to sponsor us, please do so. Hit that little sponsorship button. We have uh, monthly sponsorships as well as one-time sponsorships, and uh, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple or one of those fine platforms, you may have to go to Anchor to do sponsorships for us. I'm not sure about that, but our home is on so thank you very much again from the Jazz Focus, and until we meet again, I'll see you on the other side.